You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Force Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. I'm your host. My name is Joseph Scrimshaw. I have a special guest. It is not whiskey. I don't have whiskey. Aww. I have a human. 
<laughs> okay. Ooh, I, I can pause the recording and go get us whiskey. Hooray! <laughs> I have with us uh, someone who has been on some of the live episodes of Star Wars Counseling. It is Jeremy Stomberg. Hello, everyone. Hello, you... Star Wars world. Hello, Universe, world of Star galaxy. Wars. The big, wide galaxy of Star Wars. <laughs> I can't call it Star Wars land, I think, because that's, that's taken by the Disney Corporation. <laughs> it is. Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy End, that's right. Yeah. Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy's Edge, edge would edge. be even worse. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, kids, come on in. The galaxy's going to end. Be flat galaxy. Galaxy conspiracy. <laughs> uh, so you've been on uh, a live episode of Star Wars Council yeah. that we recorded at uh, Convergence, uh, Convergence yeah. and an episode of Data Bank Brawl that mm-hmm. we recorded at Convergence uh, early on in the Data Bank Brawl yeah. days. Uh, and you are a long-term Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. and you uh, have been had some relationship with the Star Wars games that Fantasy Flight has put out, right? Sure. Because you work for the overall company. Yeah, and I, I was involved in uh, some early playtesting of uh, the X-Wing, X-Wing oh, cool. game and, uh, and Armada and uh, um, Imperial Assault and Legion. So, awesome. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's not I'm, – I'm not one of the people that actually makes decisions. I just say, this was fun or, <laughs> or this was not fun and this is why I think this is not fun. And everybody puts that together into a, uh, into a Word document yeah. and they, <laughs> they hash it out and say, well, this guy – you know. Three people said this wasn't fun and we should change this, and then they decide whether they should change it or not. Okay. Yeah. Was it all from a game design perspective, or did you bring any of your Star Wars lore and love? Oh, it's it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the stuff that I, um, I, I think that because I, uh, we, there's a lot of young people that work at uh, at, at at Fantasy Flight, and there a lot of folks uh, between you know the mid twenties and uh, and my age in the early forties, and. Uh, they do, they do, uh, come to a few of us, uh, and ask, ask questions. Um, uh, my boss, Steve, who is the, uh, who is, uh, who is the CEO of the, of, of the Asmodee, uh, uh, studios, um, uh, like design, uh, aspect. He, he's a huge, huge Star Wars fan and, uh, they'll, They'll come to us and they'll they'll ask, "Hey, what do you think about this? So, what do you think about that? And is this does this feel cinematic? Does this feel because oh, I think the, nice. one of the biggest things that we try to do is is make a game that feels like you're it feels you're you're, you're, it feels like you're in it. Yeah, um, it's it's the difference between kind of the the Euro style games and, and uh, Ameritrashy style games is. <laughs> Is it's a more uh, cinematic feel, and that's what I I talked about a lot about when it, when I was when I did the original uh, playtests for uh, Legion. Is I was really happy with it because I've been playing miniatures games, a lot of miniatures games uh, from from when I was a teenager, um, mostly Warhammer Forty Thousand, but other other stuff as well. And I really really dug uh, the early Legiony stuff because uh, it made sense in a uh, in a cinematic style, okay, it made sense that uh, yeah, you know, yeah, technically, uh, your Luke figure should not be able to take out as many people, at, you know, with with just his lightsaber, yeah. as this, uh, you know, a couple, you know, fully armed and armored stormtrooper at, uh, detachments, yeah. Uh, when you think about it in real life, but when you think about it in terms of the of the movies, it felt. You know, it, it feels right. Yeah, you don't you know, want to have a lame hero, right? right? Jedi Master Luke Skywalker needs and, to, you know, and it's have not some that weight. He, it's not that he just has more hit points. You know, it, <laughs> it's that what his uh, his special powers are, his the way that he moves, the way that he attacks. It feels like Star Wars. It feels like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Luke Skywalker's here. And, Watch out, stormtroopers. 
Yeah. So, so yeah. So it's whereas a lot of these folks, um, kids, these young kids uh, are coming at it from just a miniatures game design. They're doing a lot of number crunching. And is this, uh, is this character equal to this character if they're the same number of points? Yeah. Uh, when uh, I, I, I feel pretty good about being asked about um, being asked about whether something is cinematic or not. Yeah. Um, I was doing some of the early, uh, my friend Simone, who is the uh, the head of our licensing department, and so she deals with uh, with LFL uh, directly. Uh, she is, you know, she you know reads all the books and uh, you know goes back and forth with them about oh this is we chose this because of this and nice. you know that's that's this is in the canon and this is why we chose this and it's yeah it's 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 really uh, it's really a fun uh, way to do things because it, it's it takes your love of of this property. And and allows you to do you know do something with it. You're not yeah. you're not making new. You're not breaking any new ground. You're make, not making a new movie, but you're allowing you're doing work that helps to allow people to really really enjoy yeah uh, their love of that of that property. Yeah, and I mean on the General Force Center podcast feed, we talk about a lot of the, the different levels of experiencing Star Wars, and that's such a cool mm-hmm. thing. If you like a ship that appeared in a book. And it's not, you know, the random person who knows, like, oh, yeah, Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father mm-hmm. is going to track a specific ship or a character. But mm-hmm. if they pop up in a game, it's so, you know, exciting to be like, feel like, oh, yes. Oh, sure. I've invested my time in this world. I'm getting to know it. And I get to see it in all these different places. Yeah. That's th- really cool. This uh, this ship that we came up with for, uh, for X-Wing, uh, this Imperial Raider ship. Uh, they ended up using it in Battlefront Two as as uh, uh, I can't remember the main character's name. Iden Versium. Yes, Iden Versium as, as, as her ship. That little oh, nice. that little like mini star destroyer with yeah. the uh, with the uh, interceptor wings. Uh, the Corvus, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, when that it, you, you believe when that trailer hit, you know they they didn't tell us that this was happening, uh, but when that trailer hit the internet. And throughout the office, everybody was like looking for the person with the largest, uh, the largest monitor to watch this over and over and watch yeah. this thing that we had, you know, that our company had come up with, uh, make its way into actual Star Wars lore was just, yeah. it was super exciting. That's it was so yeah, cool. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, yeah, it's in the book, it's in the mm-hmm. video game, and I'm sure it'll probably show up on the, the whole big screen yeah. eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. So uh, Jeremy is a long-term Star Wars fan, as well as being involved in a cool way. So normally when I have guests on Star Wars Counseling, I get a couple of the grievances from audience members mm-hmm. that I always collect and have a, a person talk through them with me. But I also ask a guest to bring a mm-hmm. grievance and just to let the audience in. Jeremy and I were talking right before <laughs> we are talking and sitting down. I was like, oh, Jeremy, do you have a grievance? And Jeremy said... No, I just really don't. <laughs> uh, so let's yeah. talk a little bit about the philosophy of that. You were yeah. saying that you obviously there are things that you don't like, sure, but you just feel like you have gotten yourself as a fan to the place where you're like, well, I just skipped that, or mm-hmm. I just really don't, yeah, I concentrate don't, on it. There are there are books that I don't care for. There are movies that I don't care for. But all in all, it's you know it's it's all Star Wars. Yeah, and uh, if why not focus on the things that you like? You know, you don't have to watch the entire saga from beginning to end every time you you revisit it you can watch a favorite movie you can watch a, a favorite scene uh i don't really you know attack of the clones is not my favorite but i will watch all the stuff with ian mcgregor as the hard-boiled detective <laughs> yeah uh, on, on camino or uh i had uh you know calibrated my home theater speakers by uh the the uh 
chase through the asteroid field with, <laughs> the, uh, sonic with blast. The, the sonic blast. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> and so you can get you can get enjoyment out of just, yeah. you know a little bit of enjoyment out of just about everything. And it's just uh, the world in general is such a negative place right now. And the uh, and a lot of a little negativity is good for the soul, I think, especially about bad things. Yeah. But especially, um, you know, when after after Last Jedi came out and just there were there are these people that are just loudly savaging it. And, you know, I loved it. I thought it's it's probably my third favorite Star Wars movie after uh, Empire and New Hope. Uh, I used to and sometimes I still fall into the trap of give of having arguments about you know <laughs> about it online with people that say that it completely uh didn't think about luke's character and i thought it it got his character exactly right uh based on you know and i'll just go on based on this this and this hey yeah. remember when luke said this remember when yoda said this <laughs> and how it related to this um i've met ryan johnson a couple times uh, he's he went to this film festival that i used to go to uh every year yeah and uh the pre-party was held at this uh, this fantastic arcade called Pinballs in Austin, and I was playing a Tron machine. And uh, he, Ryan Johnson, I, before I, you know, I knew him from uh, from just being another attendee of the festival. Yeah, and he had he had come out with a brick. Okay, he, so Looper wasn't out yet or anything, but uh, he went up and he put a he put a quarter on the machine. He says, "I got next," and <laughs> and we just we're just talk, talking about Tron and how it was you know one of our favorite video games yeah and uh then you know within about five minutes he started talking about star wars and i started talking about star wars <laughs> having neither of us having any idea that in a few short years he'd be tapped to yeah create a a new episode in the saga and i mean that you know i i you know <laughs> as as much of a of a pedantic nerd about star wars as i can be uh in that uh, you know uh, oh, that's not slave one. That's a fire. That's a quad drive systems fire fire spray class patrol boat. Uh, I mean, this guy, you know, knows his shit. Yeah, and not just about not just about facts, but about uh, philosophies and about filmmaking, uh, storytelling. And yeah, do I think that Last Jedi is a perfect movie? No, but there's but for the most part, I love it. Yeah, and there's, you know, I if. Anybody could go through and edit a movie to be exactly how they want it. Then you're not. It's not the same movie. You're you're watching somebody else's art, and you can, if you really really want it to be that way, you can tear a page out of a book, or you can, yeah, or you <laughs> or can you do can exactly make what, a fan edit, or you can just yeah. ignore it. Or you you were describing, I think, in a very healthy way, a sort of buffet experience mm-hmm. of Star Wars or any other thing you love, where like. I load up my plate with this, and then somebody comes over with pickled beets, and you're like, "No, yeah. I don't, I, I don't like those." Like, but you were describing that in a very healthy way with mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones. Of like, mm-hmm. I feel like watching these scenes because I like those, yeah, and I don't need to focus on the negative or right. you know rail about it, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know obviously why we do the Star Wars counseling to try to help uh, people feel <laughs> feel better about things that that bug them. Uh, yeah, and that's such a great story about Ryan Johnson to mm-hmm. just uh, do. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there are a million stories well, sure out there people of, of people who are just about like Star Wars, yeah, yeah, and not even bringing it up of yeah. like you know because obviously he's he's a very um, well-rounded film buff, yeah. So it's not like I know Star Wars in terms of I'm a well-rounded film buff. 
you were talking about Tron, (laughs) (laughs) and he changed the subject to Star Wars. Like, that's a big nerd. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We had a thing we were talking about, and Ryan Johnson changed the subject (laughs) to Tron. What a jerk. Uh, Yeah, so that uh, was fun to just to get a little bit of your sort of perspective on uh, having Star Wars grievances and counseling. Uh, And if I can share, for just a second, you were going to say, hey, uh, (laughs) you know, well... Jeremy said, I'm going to do my impression of Jeremy. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't like backstories. And I didn't think Solo was necessary. So I could, but I liked it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and that, that's sometimes yeah, so where these things end up. Of like, yeah. You, you, can, you can have those things of like, you're my, what I think my rules are of like, I don't like these kind of mm-hmm. films, but I enjoy this. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. I, it, was, it was the first of the new uh, movies that I didn't immediately walk out of saying, I want to go and see it again right now. Yeah. And, but, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, it's still, it's, uh, it's, you know, my least favorite of the, of the new ones, but I will happily purchase it. And when I get back from my trip and I will, and I will, uh, you know, watch it numerous times in my life. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I like, I, I ended up enjoying it more than I thought that I would. Um, I, I'm glad that, that they're kind of putting a, Putting putting the brakes on a little bit and seeing what where they want to go yeah. with uh, with future uh, anthology movies because I thought uh, I thought Rogue One was fantastic uh, I loved that from beginning to end um, and I would like to see more stories like that that are tangentially uh, related to yeah uh, to the story but doesn't they don't necessarily have to have main characters you don't have to explain every single thing yeah yeah you know you don't have to explain why you know why chewie had has has went from two bandoliers to one bandolier you know (laughs) Uh, well i'll disagree there i want a comic Uh, he's one of one shot comic bandolier a star wars story (laughs) (laughs) the bandoliers of chewbacca yeah well that's an excellent segue into uh our first grievance it comes from jasper elways at zero zero j e l w e s Jasper says, will we ever find out what Yoda's species is? Is it the Wills? Why is George so set on nobody finding out? What's the dealio? <laughs> so this is a this is a good one uh, in terms of, it doesn't sound like Jasper is super upset, like he's mm-hmm. infuriated mm-hmm. that we have not gotten the truth mm-hmm. of Yoda's species. But I think it is uh, along those lines of, it's a, a common grievance of over-sharing. So, mm-hmm. uh solving mysteries that uh, weren't mysteries kind of thing. Um, so what is your general reaction? Do you feel that we should someday know Yoda's species? Or do you feel like it must be protected as a mystery? I, no, uh, no, in between. Okay. Uh, just, I, I don't think it's, I don't think that it would add anything to our enjoyment of the, of the films or of the Clone Wars show. Uh, or of our love of the character in general. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Yoda is Yoda, uh, and of course there's Yaddle now. So, <laughs> but now, yeah, uh, well, nineteen years, nineteen ninety nine. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessary. And, and a lot of that, I mean, we got, we got to remember how much of that, that stuff, those, just those, those words and and names of of planets and people and and races were. Uh, were reused and and changed over the course of the uh, of the original. Just because he 
you know, Lucas came up with great names yeah. for things. And, you know, the Jedi were the Jedi Windu yeah. at once. And and eventually they said, oh, I like I like that. You know, they're now they're just the Jedi, but I really like that name. So I'll name a character. I'll, I'll give that, you know, I'll give Mace Windu, yeah. you know, win, the Windu last name. Or uh, Tatooine was originally called Utapau. Yeah. And then they eventually, you know, they... Tossed that name in the back burner, and when they when they filmed near Tatooine, <laughs> the, the actual real world Tatooine, and originally and, one of his children was named Savage Press, but he decided to change that <laughs> to, to Jet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I mean, uh, other people might disagree, but I I think that the when you have a mystery, when you have a, a kind of a fun mystery, or uh, you know, the, the the more you know about someone, the less, the, the more you know about someone mysterious, the less mysterious and therefore right. the less interesting they become. Yeah. Like Boba Fett. I think, I think there was, the, the more you saw of the Fett family in the prequels and in, and in, uh, in a Clone Wars television show, uh, the less I at least was interested in, in Boba Fett. Yeah. I mean, there was our, there were, uh, Stories in the, now the Legends uh, canon. There were there were books. Uh, there were uh, short stories and stuff, and and they all were a little bit different, uh, which was kind of cool because yeah. you were, you know, you weren't was, sure exactly it was the who tale he was. of Boba Fett. It wasn't actually this is this is the the Encyclopedia Britannica yeah, entry on Boba Fett. Yeah. This is who he was. This is the exact place that he was born. This was the time that he was born. These are his parents, etc. Yeah, and then just by adding, but by Changing uh, his origin and just adding more of of him uh, through the course of, of of the the films, it's and the and the show. I don't I don't think it added to the character. Um, I used to be a huge huge Boba Fett fan, and uh, I was you know before um, <laughs> like Boba Fett before it was <laughs> before uh, it wasn't cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. I just, I, I just after a while, because I, 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 at the time I was like, oh, I have every single Boba Fett figure ever made, because there were five of them, <laughs> <laughs> and I would every time there was a new Fett figure or a, a novel or or something, I would, I would pick it up because yeah. I really enjoyed it. And after a while, it's just like, you know what, this is not giving me the the character is not giving me as much joy yeah. anymore. And I'm just gonna set it aside and be it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, I think Boba Fett and Yoda are kind of tied together in this conversation, and we've talked mm-hmm. a lot about Boba Fett on the General Force Center podcast feed. And I'm a little bit more in the camp of yes, especially fans of our generation. Mm-hmm. You you initially loved him because he was this cool, mysterious guy mm-hmm. who died a somewhat embarrassing death. But we yeah. don't think about this too much. We we focus on the mystery. <laughs> uh, I find his actual story compelling. Like, mm-hmm. he absolutely lost the mystery, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like that. Well, what does it... I don't think it's been explored as much as I want, mm-hmm. but I love the idea of somebody who would want vengeance on Jedi because they saw their father murdered. Sure. And then how do I feel that a whole war was fought with kind of <laughs> lesser versions of me yeah. uh, genetically, but morally <laughs> superior to the way I was raised? Like, there's some juicy storytelling sure. to be done with the character as it emerged. So... There's the whole Boba Fett of that, but I think Boba Fett and Yoda uh, were almost in lockstep of like those are mystery characters, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to me that I think to answer uh, Jasper's question a little bit is why is George set so set on nobody finding out? I don't know if he is, but he never got around to it. But George dabbled so much with answering the questions mm-hmm. in the prequels of yeah. uh, Boba Fett of how do three PO and R two meet? Um, uh, Midi chlorians. That's more about how the Force works. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I remember hearing an interview with him at some point. Uh, I have to search to find it again. He's like, I thought people would be interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wonder if Yoda is his, like, if there is, like, a Yoda tome on George Lucas's <laughs> shelf. He's like, you know what? I've had it with people yelling at me yeah. about answering mysteries that started in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to leave Yoda alone. Well, maybe, you know, that's what, because, you know, he's famously said, well, you know, with the, after, the, after the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney... And Lucasfilm came up, the new Lucasfilm came up with, with the idea for the new saga. Yeah. And George said, well, I have this, here, I have this, I have this uh, whole, I have this whole thing planned out. If you like, uh, I have an outline for the next three movies. And they said, they looked at it and said, well, maybe not. Maybe that was the entire backstory of Yoda. Yoda comes back from the dead or he's a force ghost and he goes on adventures. And by the way, Ray, let me tell you where I was born. (laughs) And I'm your father and your mother. That's how my species works. Don't worry about it. Uh, Yeah. So I I think there is a possibility that Yoda has in George Lucas's mind Mm -hmm. and maybe in all of the various creative caretakers now like he's going to remain that mystery that Boba Fett uh, lost a little bit of that mystique and Yoda's going to keep that mystique. And I think it's really interesting that um, in the whole course of the prequels, obviously in a lot of ways, George Lucas was just like, this is the story I want to tell. This is the way I want to tell. Yeah. But there was a little bit of reaction, you mm-hmm. know, Jar Jar's role lessons mm-hmm. in Attack the Clones. Yaddle, certainly uh, the addition of weird lady Yoda mm-hmm. Uh, was one of the things that uh, people of our generation found funny and weird. Mm-hmm. And Yaddle just disappears. Yeah. She's not back in Attack the Clones. No. And there's no canon about what happened to Yaddle. Yeah. So it's almost like a sitcom kid character who gets just like sent up to the attic and never comes back. Like sure. Yaddle's just sent away. There's, I mean, there's a there's a couple of different uh, um, ones of those from like especially the Jedi Council. Uh, between between, yeah. between movies, like Yarl Poof disappears. You know, yep. it's like was was he just too difficult to animate uh, with his with his long? He actually, looked too close yeah. to uh, the Kaminoans. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. True, the Kaminoans. That's true. Yeah. Uh, he did. They, they did do a uh, um, uh, comic uh, about about Yarl and about the death of Yarl Poof. Yeah, <laughs> but that's back in Legends now. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but. Uh, but yeah, and and for for those of you who haven't uh, read it, you will be happy to know that he was uh, decapitated. Oh, because that's, that's really the way. <laughs> that's the only way Yarl Poof could go. <laughs> I can't remember what happened to Yarl Poof. Like, I did aim a big brawl. for uh, his neck. Aim for not his torso, and you're fine. You'll take him out. Uh, yeah, but there's in, it's interesting to me of like. Yaddle disappeared. Yeah. So is that a little bit of an acknowledgement on George Lucas's part of like, oh. I didn't realize that you all cared about this so much that you want Yoda to remain mysterious. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's that or if it's more of, uh, you know, just the story of how he took more of a he took more of a backseat on Empire. Uh, and when, you know, the movie came out and there are very few actual creatures in it, uh, he went ben, then back and doubled down in uh, in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that's a great and observation. Had to add, you know, all you know, because you know, th- when, when you look back on late seventies and just how much the how much Star Wars was permeated in the in the uh, uh, in pop culture. Yeah, there's an episode of I can't I can't remember what the show is, but it, it's it's Richard Pryor. And he is basically he is he is bartending at 
the cantina <laughs> and it's 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 actually written star wars bar i'll have to look, look up what it is it's like on midnight special or one of these yeah. one of these uh, um one of these weird shows from the 70s uh but i think it it the 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 cantina scene was just one of the things that just kind of immediately entered the american and worldwide uh, zeitgeist yeah. of this is what star wars is about is all these crazy creatures in this bar and when that didn't happen in uh, in Empire, and Lucas demanded that it happen in, in Return of the Jedi, I think that it might just be he likes all sorts of crazy creatures, and he wants to have as many of them on screen as possible. Yeah. So swapping out people on the Jedi Council who get a lot of close-up shots, uh, just going to different planets and seeing different uh, uh, different types of aliens that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. I think that's I think that's interesting, and it, uh, that might be another reason. I, I don't think it's necessarily that uh, he's listening to public opinion on on the Yaddle situation. <laughs> yeah, eh, interesting. Um, yeah, I think there's something to me because he is so vocal about wanting to know the culture. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's an extra on Revenge of the Sith when he's talking about like I spent a lot of time thinking about how one would live in a sinkhole mm-hmm. on Utapau and. How would that affect the way they evolve in their culture? Like mm-hmm. he's clearly like a, he's like a social anthropologist yeah. as much as he is a storyteller. Yeah. Like to hear him describe it, mm-hmm. so it's interesting to me that he never publicly mused about. Oh yeah, I have this whole backstory for Yoda that he himself is this guy who has attributed lots of answers to mysteries, mm-hmm. just has never added to the mystery uh, of Yoda. And I think uh, from a counseling perspective, maybe you someday, maybe he will speak on mm-hmm. the not why he didn't uh, ever flesh out Yoda. Maybe sometime somebody will interview him and he'll go, yeah, he, I think he's this. He's yeah. this species. He has this culture. Um, but maybe I the think, origin of, sto- of Yoda is your origin. It absolutely maybe could Yoda be. Yoda is within you. <laughs> <laughs> you are your Yoda. Uh, yeah, so I think it, it, it. so much of it is up to uh, why George made that choice. Is it about reacting to mystery? Uh, and deciding to preserve it, or is it he just never got around to it before he sold his company? Mm-hmm. Uh, for internal to the world canon, if it, if it's the kind of thing that bugs you of, you want to know, because mm-hmm. I think there might be fans who want to know what is uh, Yoda's species, what is his history, all of that. Uh, a fun thing that I thought of, if you just want some head canon, is you can imagine that's why Yaddle disappeared, that their species is such that you're not supposed to talk about it. That's why people <laughs> don't know about it. Yaddle talked somewhere in those 10 Uh-oh. years. And Yoda's like, you have to go yeah. away. The first I'm not rule saying he of Yoda her. Club is don't talk about Yoda Club. <laughs> don't talk about what we are, Yaddle. <laughs> we don't talk about uh, what we are. Uh, so you just, you have to go away. So maybe that's what happened. It'll maybe that's okay. why it's a mystery, because Yoda <laughs> keeps it locked down. Yoda wants to be mysterious. Um, another idea is that maybe there are only two of their kind in the galaxy well, ever. Sure. That is Yoda and Yaddle. Always maybe two Yaddle, there are. Yeah, always two there are. <laughs> Ironic for him. It's like, oh, Mace, I wasn't talking about the set. I was talking, I was talking about my species. It's just, it's just me and Yaddle. Uh, I'm sorry, I was unclear. Yeah, we can't unclear even. I was. <laughs> can't even procreate. Uh, Yaddle died, so uh, yeah, no, it's, yeah. When I'm gone, the last of the Jedi and my own species, I will be. Uh, so who knows? Uh, it is also fascinating to think that maybe that wherever he's from is a culture that doesn't leave the planet, and like mm-hmm. Yoda and Yaddle are the like strange like outcasts of sure. like once you leave you can never come back mm-hmm. so you could imagine that i think there's uh, lots of different I- ideas of where yoda could come from do you have any ideas if somebody just wanted to fill it in of what yoda's backstory might be uh no 
I, 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 I mean, I seriously, I don't, I, 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 since 1980, I have, uh, I have cared far less about where Yoda is from than who Yoda is. Yeah. And uh, I, he's this this crazy little goblin that ends up being the most powerful Jedi in existence. Yeah. And uh, I liked that the the prequel trilogy didn't didn't really shed any any real light yeah. on him. Uh, and then I liked in Last Jedi when he when he showed up and was just as crazy as ever. Yeah. Um, I know it's a, it, I'm sorry, Jasper. It just doesn't matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to um, keep that in mind when I ask yeah. you to go on uh, the counseling show again. <laughs> <laughs> to not say to our patients, no, I don't care. No, it's not. I'm no, joking. It I'm doesn't joking. matter to me. Yeah, no, he I, can, I hear it can you. matter. Yeah, there's a lot of things that don't matter to me that I'm sure matter to a <laughs> lot of people. I've... I hear you. And I think this is one of those grievances that's more like, what's the de- is, is, is Jasper says, mm-hmm. what's the deal? What's the deal? I don't think this is something that is causing him great pain. No. Uh, but I do think it's a, a fascinating topic. And I think if you're the kind of person who is happy that Yoda's, uh, there's mystery around mm-hmm. Yoda, you're great because there's yeah. mystery around Yoda just. Yaddle is maybe lessens it a little bit, but besides mm-hmm. that, you're great. And if you're the kind of person who wants to fill it out, there's so much fun headcanon to think about what it might be. Wouldn't and it, just imagine for yourself what it might be. Wouldn't it be great if Yaddle and Yoda were not the same species at all? It was just a very, very random coincidence a very that they looked a lot similar like. species. Yeah. <laughs> I like it that they're just they're just rare flowers yeah. that bloomed once, and there's there's no one else like Yoda or Yaddle. Why not? All right, so that is uh, our first grievance. We're going to talk uh, briefly about our second grievance. This is a much more technical one Uh-oh. that I grabbed because I think you're a, a little bit more technical minded. Okay. Uh, this is uh, from listener David Cornett. David says the handling of starship fuel seemed inconsistent uh, with how it is presented in The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. If fuel is so small and compact that a couple of suitcases worth is enough for a fleet, why did it take so long to transfer it to the smaller ships? And why was that being done with big fuel lines? And if so much fuel is so portable, why not just have Finn and Rose go get some and bring it back to their little shuttle? Maybe not six million credits worth, but maybe enough for several jumps which might have been enough to lose the first order, even with the tracking. So I think this is, a, I think David is mm-hmm. discussing what a lot of people are. The uh, I think as Star Wars has been around more and more, mm-hmm. it does deal with more practical realities. Mm-hmm. It's weird to think of fuel coming up in the original yeah. trilogy. Like you, can, you know Bespin minds to ban a gas, but yeah. great, that's not a plot point. Right. But then we get two movies in a row, Last Jedi and Solo a Star Wars Story, where fuel of some kind Mm-hmm. is a plot device which kind of directs you to thinking a little bit more technically, yeah. which I think what David's uh, question is about. Um, obviously, there's a difference be- between hyperfuel is was, I think, for the most part, a new idea, mm-hmm. and then there's regular fuel, I yeah. think is the main thing that many other people who have discussed this have come to. Yeah, in the old canon, uh, it was in the... Uh, it was in the uh, um... Uh, the Rogue Squadron books by uh, um, by Mike Stackpole and uh, Aaron Alston that uh, it was the, but it was the it was the same fuel okay uh, was used for both uh, hyperspace and for normal travel and strangely enough uh, it talked about it it was very specific about how uh, hyperspace flight used less fuel Ooh. than than uh, than just regular in in galaxy in. <laughs> Uh, around regu- the neighborhood regular speed yeah <laughs> i think they said it's like it it uh, it um 
regular space guzzled fuel and hyperspace sipped fuel. Ooh. And I always thought that was really interesting. Yeah. About how, you know, the question is, how do you get into that hyperspace? And that probably requires some sort of output of energy. Yeah, right. That, uh, um, but it, it made sense because if you have to refuel something and you're, you know, and you are a, uh, a hyperspace traveler, uh, you have you probably have to refuel more than this guy who just kind of puts around between two two uh, planets in the same yeah. system uh, delivering widgets. <laughs> you know, but you know, I don't know. It's it seems you know it's more of a MacGuffin. It doesn't you know it's an exploding MacGuffin in yeah. <laughs> in, in in Solo. Uh, but it's it's I don't know. I think it, it's uh, it's. I'm often reminded of uh, uh, J. Michael Straczynski when he wrote about Babylon 5 and people were asking very technical questions about, yeah. you know, how fast does this move? And shouldn't this uh, character have been here before this character was here? And he said, uh, I, I'm, I am 99% sure it was him, but I, I apologize if I'm misattributing this. But I think it was, he said that uh, ships move at the speed of plot. Yes. <laughs> and it it all it, uh, you know, all that matters is the dramatic tension that is required in... Oh, we we don't have enough fuel. We'll have to get fuel, or we'll have to do something else. Yeah, and that just adds to the the tension of the story. Um, if it's so small, I kind of uh, maybe maybe it's not that the hoses are really that big, yeah. but they're just really really heavily insulated because, <laughs> because it's so volatile. Yeah, there's a very very there's like a like a, a, a fifty millimeter uh, uh, hose running in the middle of that uh, that foot wide. <laughs> That foot radius giant, yeah, thing that I got an axe man. You know this this, this uh, uh, like heating duct, yeah, uh, kind of uh, kind of material that they use. Yeah, and that might be for regular fuel mm-hmm. instead of hyper fuel. Yeah, if they're two different things, uh, or it could be that even if those big tubes that we've seen since a New Hope mm-hmm. for fueling up are also if they have two different you know uh, lines in them, yeah. one for hyper fuel, one for regular fuel. I love the idea of that. Like we've just got a lot of safety. So if they explode, yeah. there's a lot of absorbing material. I mean, when you, when you go to the gas station and there, and the, the, the big tanker trucks are there, they're, they have to put in the, the high octane and the low octane <laughs> and the diesel. They have to go in different things, but the hoses are the same size. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, uh, for the sort of last Jedi question, if it is, you know, portable, like it appears to be portable mm-hmm. in Solo. If it's hyperfuel that they need, I don't, uh, I guess it would be hyperfuel in Last Jedi because they're trying to make jumps. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the counseling I'd give for that is I think Solo, so much of Solo is about this is rare and hard to come by. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. So I think stealing or, or procuring or even paying for hyperfuel from somewhere mm-hmm. in The Last Jedi would have been just uh, plot wise, it would have been just as. You have a dangerous, onerous task mm-hmm. for Rose and Finn to do. Mm-hmm. So plot-wise, I think it would have, as you're saying, and J. J. Michael Straczynski, <laughs> it would have been the same thing. It yeah. would have been they left the planet to get a tool to accomplish a goal mm-hmm. that they need. Uh, so I don't think yeah. functionally the, it would make the movie different. No. And uh, another thing that uh, that has helped me in the in, get by in the world is remembering that Star Wars physics are not real world physics. <laughs> you know, it's not, it, everything is not, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, it, it's, it's, everything is done for aesthetic purposes or for plot purposes. Yeah. And I, you would, you would think that in a sufficient, sufficiently advanced civilization in which hyperspace travel is possible, 
that uh, miniaturization of engines, miniaturization of fuel, all that stuff would have would have been accomplished. But I think you know the, the kind of lived-in Star Wars universe requires it to be dirty and gritty and people moving things. And yeah, I mean, just I mean, just look at how electric cars have taken off. Yeah, and how the the miniaturization of technology uh, in the past fifty years has. I mean, we I have a, a pocket computer. That, yeah. I, that uh, is tens and hundreds of times more powerful than was needed to get to the moon. Yeah. You know, it's it's amazing to see how much we have evolved in 50 years. And when we watch 50 years of Star Wars history, 50 plus years now, yeah. between uh, Phantom Menace and Last Jedi, uh, what kind of, what kind of uh, advances are they making yeah. in technology? Yeah. Uh, and people say, well, you know, there's there's a whole galactic civil war happening all during this time, but uh, war brings out advances in technology. It does. <laughs> there's, there's a great Easter egg yeah. that in Rogue One, the yeah. Empire is already developing the tracking system that the First Order will perfect and use on our heroes mm-hmm. in the Last Jedi. So yeah, that's right there. Is it is showing you that yes, there is still this advancement. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I think uh, I think this invites uh, the kind of fan that can be more technical to look at more of the technical things. We mm-hmm. have two movies in a row that that uh, that use fuel. And I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm much more narrative-based. But I know that there are the kind of fans who come at it from this perspective mm-hmm. and that their entry to Star Wars is cross-section books that try to make sense of everything <laughs> or Legends books that yeah. spend more time making sense of things. So I understand that perspective of getting frustrated by it. I think, for me, what I love about a lot more gritty resources being introduced to the story mm-hmm. is the narrative potential. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, like, uh, one of the reasons I love Solo so much is it's about a rare resource. Everybody's trying to get out of poverty mm-hmm. or start a rebellion, and the only way you can do it is with a rare resource. Yeah. So, like, that then to me is, it can be crunchy and technical, mm-hmm. but it is also so passionate and true. And uh, how that, to me, addresses this grievance is when you think of real-world resources mm-hmm. and the complexities of it, of something like fuel or if there's ever a Star Wars food movie that the plot resolves around food rations, mm-hmm. right? You think of the complexity of, well, could they just go get some food? Because I saw my friend go pick up some wheat once. Like, <laughs> well, what country was your friend from? Yeah. What time of year was it? Was there a war that was impacting the wheat? Well, the conditions that affect how easy wheat to get are entirely different from if your friend needs pickles to survive for some reason, <laughs> right? Like, I think... When they introduce real world, kind of real world crunchy stuff into Star Wars, mm-hmm. I think we also have to bring over that real world complexity of it. Mm-hmm. Of fuel is not a one to one thing, right. especially if it's possibly different fuels, that there's complexity in the galaxy. Yeah. That maybe there's a complex, interesting political reason that the way the world is, the galaxy is in The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. hyperfuel is valued differently, stored differently. Mm-hmm. Like there's no promise that it's the same as it was during Solo. Well, and I think that, that, adds a little bit uh, that, that, that correlates to the the first question too is that the more you explain something it doesn't necessarily make it more interesting yeah uh it can make it more interesting yeah uh you can do i would love to i'm i'm reading this uh i'll show you after after the, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm reading this uh anthology of uh of uh james bond stories right now and some of them really go into uh, little backstories or things that happened after or before a movie from a different character's perspective. Interesting, and I find that extremely interesting. 
and if we if we i would love to see a movie or you know when this anthology television show uh the the live action show ever comes out yeah uh that they talk about i'd love to see a story about you know a uh a, a fuel scientist yeah you know or uh just a a mechanic or just a uh, uh some sort of economist that's trying, no, I mean, seriously, trying to figure out how, you know, how, you know, you can, you can sell ice to a Tauntaun, you know, how to figure (laughs) out how, when you have all these planets that the majority of which are, are one environment, obviously there has to be galactic trade then because that you're going to need, you know, Tatooine is going to need things that Utapau has and, and, uh, Kashyyyk is going to need things that only Coruscant can, you know, factories of Coruscant yeah. can provide. And I would love, I would actually love to see a, a trading. It's like, it's like settlers of Catan <laughs> only on a galactic scale. You want to see healthy trade after mm-hmm. the fall of the trade federation <laughs> when or, they polluted the system. No, I want to see, I want to see every dirty backroom deal. <laughs> I want to see every sort of, uh, uh, trying to, to to corner the market in things oh yeah i think that'd be really really interesting uh yeah no it's uh i think that a lot of these a lot of these 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 questions uh could be answered in like anthology books or anthology shows yeah uh that don't necessarily relate or connect to uh the main saga or the uh, or the story movies yeah i think there are like there are moments like that in in the clone wars animated series and especially like later when sidious is moving to take over the banking Mm -hmm. system entirely and get it government run and all that like that'd be some great just you know one-off stories like of a jedi from you know anywhere before phantom menace i think that's the kind of thing that jedi would be doing of Mm -hmm. like why are you... Uh, hey, Ryloth, you're selling grains that you know are poisoned to Kashyyyk. <laughs> I got to come in here and I see who's doing this, why, yep. you know? Maybe maybe cut somebody's arm off for excitement <laughs> purposes. But other than that, it's about grain. It's about the curse of the Ryloth grain. Uh, that's great. Um, I think my only other counseling for this, you already kind of mentioned, which is just this is all the more evidence that all vehicles need to be electric in Star Wars as soon as possible <laughs> so we don't have these questions. So hopefully that will be the end of Episode 9. They'll have perfected <laughs> electric technology. <laughs> all Ed, electric God, spaceships. I hope Ed Begley Jr. is in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the final act is like the Falcon can save everything, but it needs to stay plugged in for 24 hours. We've been, Where are we? The Tesla system. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's a whole thing. With the, <laughs> With the adventures of Elon Musk right now. <laughs> a very Star Wars name, so maybe Elon Musk will show up. All right, so uh, that is our Star Wars counseling. Uh, Jeremy, thank you uh, for joining me and for sharing uh, some of the really cool perspective from Fantasy Flight Games and some of your own uh, counseling that you've clearly administered to yourself over the years <laughs> <laughs> to get yourself to a place of peace about Star Wars. Absolutely. Uh, and thank you, as always, uh, listeners, for sending in those questions. Um, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at John Maddening. Or on Instagram at John Dot Maddening, or on Facebook at Yes That John Maddening. <laughs> it really works well. There's it a does. progression of changes <laughs> there. You can uh, send in your grievances or deep dive questions if you have them. Use the hashtag Star Wars Counseling. That is counseling spelled with one S. 
That way I can actually find them later on. And speaking of finding things, you can find me on all the social media is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my other podcast, Obsessed. That's on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can like Four Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter is at Four Center Pod and buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. You can also, of course, support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Four Center. And until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. That's it for Star Wars Counseling. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.